Welcome back to Scouring the Depths, the show where we delve deep into the dark, endless, abhorrent chasm known as heavy music. My name is Joseph. And I'm Nathan. And we are your hosts, and we are rolling right along with our Mellow Death Essentials miniseries. This is chapter three of five, baby. Shoo-loo, shoo-loo, shoo-loo. Uh, that's how that's as good as we are as singers and yeah. and instruments as well, I guess. Yeah, the pod artists is is how I think of us. Well, I hope uh, the listeners also think that because uh, you know. <laughs> well, I don't yeah. know about that one. Yeah. But... Mm. <laughs> well, I, I hope everyone's been enjoying this series so far. It's been it's been a blast. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm enjoying a side of uh probably my favorite uh subgenre in metal that i hadn't really delved into as deeply before and i'm uh, finding it to be pretty rewarding thus far so yeah yeah and uh for people who haven't heard so far uh, in the previous two episodes we covered uh four albums four different artists um the last two we talked about i'm gonna go backwards okay okay I'm go backwards here uh, was Amorphous with a tale from a thousand lakes, mm-hmm. and is it Dark Tranquility? Yes, with the, the gallery. gallery. Yep. I'm looking at him as I know it was is ages ago, but those are the last two albums we talked about. And then in episode one, it was At the Gates with Slaughter of the Soul and Carcass's Heartwork. Yes, um, all very good albums, and I definitely. And I know Joseph would say the same thing, would highly recommend all those um, yeah. as, you know, any of these albums we're talking about are good gateway albums to to jump into this genre, I think. Yeah, um, I think they present uh, exactly what melodic death metal, uh, what its origins were, and uh, some introducing new elements and new influences to that old school death metal sound um, and just that old classic heavy metal sound that we that we all know and love um yeah it's been a it's been a good ride it's been fun to have this new sort of context Mm -hmm. now um i know before we jump into today's two albums and two different artists um i kind of ask everyone who's listening there are any kind of maybe albums or bands that were came out before this that you would think that would you know would also be deemed as classics in this genre or kind of yeah. how it would lead to this that'd be cool to see what everyone else thinks yeah or like some hidden gems um i know that we could easily make like a part two of this series mm-hmm. like with other mellow death bands and albums that we weren't able to include just because that would just be you know so many things a lot. we could list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there there are several. It was a whole it was a whole movement pretty much. So mm-hmm. yeah. Let us know uh some of your favorites. Let us know, especially if they're not included in uh in this mini series for sure. Because yeah, we, we're eager to hear them. Yeah. Follow us on the social medias. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at Scouring Pod on Instagram and on Twitter too, but you know how it is over there these days. What's a Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> is what we like to say. Are we going to be on Mastodon? Who knows? 
I I'm I still I'm a little miffed about the fact that they call it Mastodon because yeah. now now anytime I ever mention that that band, mm-hmm. they're all gonna think that I'm talking about the stupid platform. Yeah, and it's the same. I mean, it's I guess an unfortunate it's name. I mean, well, the thing is, I mean, Mastodon's obviously a prehistoric. Well, not yeah. well. Anywho, it's a it's a former creature that used to exist. Um, so that's where it obviously came from, but. Now it's going to be a social media app. So yeah, there's another one too that people are going on, but I don't remember the name of it. Mm. So I don't know. You tell us in the comment Ooh, sections. Yeah, where, we'll, wherever you're at, we'll see what happens. Yeah, social media thing I don't want to be on anymore. Yeah, thing that fucking sucks ass. Whoa. Mm. So let's move on to some melodic death. <laughs> I mean, for the most part, it's cool yeah. to, you know, a lot Engage. of, it's a good resource if you're looking for like, you know, music, recommendations, <laughs> movies, for things. art. Yeah. These are the things that I use it for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get in conversations with Everything people. Everything else is kind of, yeah. keep that shit. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, tangent. <laughs> <laughs> we had our tangent here. Yeah. All right. Well, so, which one do you want to start off with? Yeah, uh, this week, uh, we're going to be rolling right along to a couple other uh, pretty defining 90s Mellow Death albums, Um, and I think maybe we should start with Edge of Sanity. Sure, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about Crimson. Yes, Edge of Sanity, Crimson. Now, let's go ahead and uh, do some roll call coming up real quick. Roll once we roll call. This one's got a pretty sweet roll call too, because I I'm gonna mm-hmm. get all schoolgirly with yeah. with this one because I love I love mm-hmm. one of these members in particular. Right. We'll get to it. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right, Edge of Sanity, Dan Swano, lead vocals, acoustic guitar, rhythm guitar, and keyboards. Andreas Axelson, rhythm guitar. Sammy Nurberg, rhythm guitar. Anders Lindbergh, bass guitar, Benny Larson, drums and percussion, and then guest musician, musician <laughs> include Anders Mar- Marabi on cello, and of course, Mikhail Ackerfeldt providing additional vocals and lead guitar. That's my guy. Yeah. So I guess we'll go ahead and start this off by asking, like, you know, Ackerfeldt, of course, of Opeth. Mm-hmm. How similar do you think this, like how this Crimson came out in 1996. Mm-hmm. I wanted to figure like how this kind of led to or influenced like the development of Opeth. In a way. Yeah. Um, so Opeth had maybe been around for like a second mm-hmm. before this, um, yeah. but not, not for very long because... Um, they kind of formed in the early nineties, but they didn't, hadn't really have an album until 1995. So, you know, this is right in between their first and second album okay. is when this happened. And if you listen to the first few records of Opeth, it sounds very similar. Yeah. It has a lot of, like now, honestly, like I, I was hoping we'd sneak in Opeth conversations. With yeah. I mean, it's, these. it comes with <clears throat> it. I mean, he's, Ucker felt is all over this album pretty much. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, Opeth as a band in general, they ride the line between melodic death metal and progressive metal. 
especially, I mean, in the earlier stuff, it's a little bit more of the melodic side, I would say. Mm -hmm. And then it turns a little bit more progressive as time goes on. Um, but anyway, no, uh, seeing him here, um, and you can clearly tell who he is because he's got such a distinct sound yeah. to him uh, and the type of influence he has. Like, honestly, I love it because, yeah, I think this influences the first few Opeth records too because... I mean, the sound and like the breaks and the bridges in between kind of the, the heavy uh, chunks of this album into the interludes that, that come with it. The acoustic stuff yeah. is very Opeth mm -hmm. and sounds very similar to kind of what the direction would go. Um, yeah. And it's just really it's just really cool to see, you know, Dan Swano and Michael Ackerfeld, you know, coming together for something like this. Yeah. Um, because clearly they influence each other and this was a pretty big scene. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I really like this album because of that, because yeah. of that combination of the two. Yeah. <clears throat> I was not familiar with Edge of Sanity's previous work before this one. Uh, you, would Have you listened to like some of their previous albums besides this one? Yeah, the one that came right before this, Purgatory Afterglow, uh -huh. is one I have listened to quite often. Okay. Um, I'm more familiar with Crimson 2 as well. Um, so okay. those th these three albums that we're talking about, right? So Purgatory Afterglow, Crimson, and Crimson 2 are the mm -hmm. ones I know the most from gotcha. this. Um, but yeah, I, I, I only know, I, I would say Crimson's probably my favorite of the bunch. Maybe, maybe it's because of, you know, having the frontman of Opeth in there. Sure. Um, but I just, yeah. Um, but I, I'm not super familiar with the stuff before, even though yeah, it came I, out the same same year, I think. Right? Yeah, like I, I can def like I, I can see like the like the artwork for some of those, and like I definitely recognize it. But I don't really when I think of Edge of Sanity, like the only thing that really comes to mind is is this is this album really, um, but. I definitely want to dive deeper into, you know, other stuff that Swano is involved in and uh, other albums in the Edge of Sanity catalog, um, like Crimson 2, which I haven't even heard before. Mm -hmm. Because um, I had heard Crimson before revisiting it in preparation for this, but after listening to it for these past few times, like, man, I think this is just an absolute masterpiece. Yeah, you get lost in this one. and Yeah. The brilliant of, brilliance of this album is if anyone hasn't listened to this or looked at the track list, <clears throat> it more or less is one piece. Yeah, it's all just one 40-minute <clears throat> <40 -minute> song. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it flows together perfectly in that way. Like, you know, if you listen to it on, like, a streaming service, it's broken up in just, like, Crimson Part 1 and Part all 2. All the way to 8. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it flows extremely well. Um, and it feels like one seamless experience. Like, I really want to own this thing, like, physically, because, like, I want to have that, like, continuous sort of, like, listening experience with it, with the lyrics. Like, I, like, yeah, I, I want to be, like, really engrossed in this story because it's, you know, it's a concept album that tells a narrative. Yeah, um, it's, it's meant to be one, one story. It's meant to be one track. Yeah. Which... And, it's 40 minutes exactly almost yeah this is very ambitious um yeah i'm trying to think of you know other examples of 
I know other bands have attempted something like this before, but I'm trying to think of others. Honestly, mostly in the progressive rock yeah. realm is yeah. more so that. But mm-hmm. yeah, you don't see it very much. Yeah, in, well, I mean, <clears throat> in this time period, it makes sense because it's quite an undertaking. But yeah, just how how amazingly it's pulled off here, and like how while still feeling like one cohesive piece, it's able to have so many different elements brought in, like the, you know, the different, like, instrumentation and, like, the different, like, like, there's the more melodic parts, there's the, like, the clean vocals, there's the harsh vocals, there's, like, the really heavy riffs and, like, the heavy grooves in there. It just delivers, like, everything that you would want from like a death metal album and in my opinion like yeah 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 no it definitely has all these different i I, neapolitan type of flavors where you you Mm -hmm. literally get a taste of everything uh that this genre has to offer and then kind of have that extra extra thing that you're not really sure you don't really know like you can sense where things are going but you get surprised quite often yeah. If you haven't heard this album before, and even on subsequent listenings, you're going to have like a good time going down these different paths and, and listening to it because it feels fresh every single time I listen to it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. there's there's parts. I mean, I'll, I'll just single one part of this that I I, I kind of had to like this morning when I re-listened to it for like the nth time. I was at the fourth part. Mm-hmm. And like it got to a really heavy chug mm-hmm. where I kind of everything like, slowed down and then this riff started playing. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I want to listen to that again because mm-hmm. like I was just getting into work. So <laughs> like I I don't know, there, but there's, you know, there's softer parts. There's there's, you know, there's parts that really highlight Mikel being on the album. Yeah. And Swano, you know, doing his magic and um, mm-hmm. literally everyone involved in this has their time to be highlighted and shine yeah yeah it goes through so many different motions and like peaks and valleys like even if you don't like read the lyrics along to follow the story you can tell that a story is being told and i think that this album maybe even more well maybe not more so than hard work (laughs) or slaughter of the soul but if you were to show like a fan of death metal an album that would probably convince them to to really give uh, Mellow Death a shot would be I would say this one for sure just because it has what you would want from like an old school death metal release like it has that heaviness it has like that aggression but it also has like a beauty to it and it has like this artful quality that really makes it feel of its time Mm -hmm. in like this mid nineties kind of boom of more melodic death metal, more progressive death metal. Yeah. definitely gets into the, the story side of things, which the thing is I, and this is always just a theory of mine, but I feel like the best way people can connect to other people or things that are are inspired by, you know, things that maybe more apt to listen to is through some type of story and you know like whatever medium that really shows i i think something like this is like like you were kind of saying is like this would be 
out of like the five albums we've talked thus far, like this would be probably the most accessible to somebody who would be like, okay, this has like a cohesion to it and it's got yeah. a, it's got a vision to it. And that's something that is something you can latch on to. Right. And it easier. has like that heaviness that like, you know, the, <clears throat> the diehard death metal fans, like they could still latch on to that. Like, um, even as it, you know, goes through these different passages of like cleaner melodies and like acoustic guitar and clean vocals and stuff. Um, so yeah, I think it just really stands out for, for that time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think everyone should definitely go listen to this and, uh, other albums from edge of sanity and just to kind of give a little bit more exploration, but this is definitely the one to, yeah, the kick started all off of. Um, yeah, I definitely yeah. need to go back and uh, to give it a more of a more of the deep dive because uh, yeah, I really love the ambition that they showcased here. Um, and I'm also just a sucker for uh, like a callback, like on a longer song. You know, like they'll have like an opening riff, but then they'll bring it back towards the end. Mm-hmm. On this album, they have like the opening riff, to, and then whenever that comes back in, like at the mid and end point, it's just like so satisfying uh, that yeah, you just can't help but just be like won over by by this, the craft. Yeah, here. the songwriting is impeccable. Yeah, and so and that's what that's what that I mean. That would be a, a major theme of why we're talking about a lot of these bands is because their blend of heavy and kind of I, I, I would suppose softer more melodic themes is always something that's just, it, it's kind of it, it's really a balancing act and obviously the bands we've talked about thus far have different levels of yeah. like some of them lean a little bit more another way mm-hmm. and in different like in different like thrash or hardcore mm-hmm. maybe leanings or maybe maybe this one's more progressive yeah. on that side or thrashy or whatever you want to lean towards it's always interesting to kind of think about it in terms of like how does this band be how, how are they showcasing them actually themselves through the music that they're trying to convey i mean i think we it goes back to when we were talking about carcass mm-hmm. and like how they transitioned from grindcore yeah to to where they you know are now mm-hmm. it's like they stuck to themselves and at the same time they showcased how they could balance the things that they were good at and things that they were willing to do. Yeah. And that like <clears throat> their aspirations, uh, which, you know, appealing to more of a wider audience that can be quite the challenge, especially if you don't want to sacrifice uh, your like true core sound. Um, but it's something that they were able to accomplish there. And uh, yeah. Yeah, go check it out, everyone. Who lives in the crimson? Yeah. Um, before we move on, I do want to go ahead and read this brief little synopsis of the the story of the album because I think it's pretty interesting. Um, okay, so the album's single song tells the story of a world where humans no longer can bear children. Into this time of despair, a child is born to the king and queen of the barren earth. 
The queen dies during childbirth, and the king is left to rule the earth and raise his daughter on his own. The people think the child is a sign that God will give them back the ability to reproduce. But as the child grows into a teenager, humanity remains infertile. In time, the king dies and men fight over his throne. The new king crushes rebellions against his illegitimate rule and is generally hated by the populace. Eventually, the child is persuaded to lead a coup. As she is left alone to plan, the forces of evil beckon to her. She accepts an unholy master and gains strong magical powers. She slays the false king easily and begins ruling Earth. The people watch her obsessively because it is thought that by restoring the rightful ruler, they might be returned the gift of breeding. But the new queen misleads the people and slays the elders who the humans had preserved for their wisdom. Word of this gets out, and a group of rebels gathers to stop her. They find a way to neutralize her power by blinding her, and then place her in the same preservative tank of crimson fluid that the elders were kept in. And that's where it ends. And that's metal. Yeah. That is a very interesting story. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a story that, like, just from reading that, it feels like it has a lot of depth to it. Mm -hmm. While it may not be, like, as, like, immediately known, like, what the idea is, you can tell that there's something really interesting going on there. Yeah. And, you know, that's the, I think the beauty of, Something like this is where you can, you know, read along to something like this and like make sure like the lyrics are, are matching with the story, but also you're learning more about kind of the world they're trying to build. And yeah, it, it kind of paints a picture when you're reading the lyrics and listening to the music and <clears throat> you can use your own imagination kind of how, how that, how that is, you know, coming forth, which is really, really interesting because like, like we were saying earlier with other albums, there were stories being told here, yeah. with, but I feel like a lot of those other albums we were talking about had more themes of different songs of different themes. Yeah, more grounded in reality. And this mm-hmm. definitely is telling like a story of a completely different world. Science fiction, fantasy, yeah. Yeah. kind of a combination of that. Right. So, yeah, it felt like, you know, like it could be like a novel or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so... I think uh, I think we need to get a uh, get that started. I hope somebody can write that. Dan Swan, if you're listening, yeah, who's gonna adapt this into a feature film? Mm. Uh, I mean, this is a cool. soundtrack. Yeah, why hasn't that happened already? I mean, shit. <laughs> it needs major, to be a-, a major studio would greenlight that, right? <laughs> Listen, if studios are listening, you have an idea now. Just just make sure it happens. We. Uh, I I don't need any money. Yeah, <laughs> just just make sure it happens. Yeah, just like you know, a two hundred million dollar sci fi fantasy epic uh, based on a nineties death metal album. I mean, that's that's big big box office bucks right there. Listen, if uh, there's a certain director of some certain Nick Cage movies is listening, mm. um, you know, maybe a recent Del Toro special. Oh. Oh yeah, Panos Cosmatos. Yeah, if you're listening. I know you would get into that. <laughs> yeah, that would. <laughs> he would, would be like, the perfect director for it. I'd like to see that. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Anyway, fun stuff. Anyone? Any other thoughts about Crimson? Uh, I don't want to give away like what our rankings will be at the end of this, but this one's definitely going to be pretty high for me for sure. 
yeah, nice choice. And I, I definitely would second that, but I have to look at the, the, the whole thing. So yeah, we're not, we're ain't, we're ain't done yet. Mm-mm, wait, this is done. Didn't. Okay. I can't, I can't go that Southern. <laughs> yeah. You get lost in it. So now we're transitioning here to, um, an album, which is probably, I would say probably the most famous melodic death metal band from this area. Maybe. Yeah. I, I would say so. Yeah, it's another side of the same coin when we talk about these two albums. I yeah. would say it's uh, it's kind of the I guess the 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 cousin, <laughs> maybe not so much a friend at this time, of Dark Tranquility. Yeah, they and, uh, uh-huh. this band arise from the same scene in Gothenburg mm-hmm. as uh, at the gates and Dark Tranquility, like we have previously discussed. When you talk about melodic death metal, you definitely have to reference Gothenburg. Um, and of course, we're talking about In Flames with the Jester Race. Hit him with the Jester, the card, right? Mm-hmm. The the Joker, you mean? Yeah, same thing, right? Mm, yeah. In Flames, In Flames. <laughs> yeah, it's a little enslaved joke if, uh, if you remember from That's... a couple episodes ago. This is for the loyals. <laughs> for the people who've been listening for a while. Yeah. You understand that one. Yeah. But who's who's uh, who's here for the roll call? Yeah. Uh, this album came out in 96, uh, as well as Crimson. And roll call. We have Anders Frieden on lead vocals. Uh, Jesper Stromblad on guitar, acoustic guitar, and keyboards. Glenn Jung Jung Strom. He's going to say all these names correct. On guitar, lead guitar. Uh, Johan Larsen on bass. And Bjorn Galot on drums. Um, And it was also produced by Frederick Nordstrom, who is also the producer of Slaughter of the Soul, I believe. Mm -hmm. He did some keyboards on there, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Man, what a what a what an album! This is their second album. The yeah, Lu- the Lunar Strain came out a few years prior with a different vocalist, I believe. I believe so. Yeah, so this is kind of their kick into the to the band that we would know. Yeah, um, at their... least for the first half of their first third of their career. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's their breakout release. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, as we mentioned, they rose out of the same scene as. Uh, at the gates and dark tranquility and uh you can definitely sense that that sort of that same kind of vibe is present on here for Mm -hmm. sure like that sort of like classical style uh very i think out of all the albums that we talked about so far or maybe even on this entire mini series this is the most like iron Mm maiden-y sounding Mm -hmm. mellow death album um which makes a lot of sense considering the aesthetic as well, because they have, you know, on their cover art, they have their jester head mascot, which I would imagine is kind of like a take on the Eddie mascot for Iron Maiden. So you can definitely see that influence in all aspects of this release, which I'm a, I'm a big fan of because I love Maiden. So, yeah, me too. And, uh, 
and even in kind of the sound of it all too yeah. there's definitely like a thrashier more i guess i'm trying to think of the right verbiage but it, it is definitely something that's a little bit more like let's all get together and like get like you know um <laughs> run for that hill i don't know how to how to say it but yeah i got you but i don't know if anyone else understands what i'm saying <laughs> who's listening it's a it has like a quality that like you could you know it, it's like feels like something i don't know communal maybe yeah that's what i'm trying to get at yeah it's has that like really accessible like kind of vibe to it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and definitely definitely a little bit more if i if i was comparing obviously because this is the easy comparison but like thinking about dark tranquility mm-hmm. a little bit more like we talked about last week um you know this is this is definitely a little bit more thrashy and a little bit more i feel like this is better put together i, I know that's not maybe not the right verbiage it's not better but it, it it seems to be a little bit more seamless, whereas the transitions in Dark Tranquility are a little bit more jarring, but at the same time yeah. makes complete sense for the music. And yeah. so that's hard to... And that was like a year before, too. So yeah. it's like this album feels like sort of what that same vision was for the gallery, but a lot more like streamlined. Yeah, know. a little bit more accessible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, not no, no narcs to dark tranquility because i love that album mm-hmm. and but yeah that that's just what i was thinking of like how that how the history would you know just follow through where this would 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 come out and it would be a little bit more polished maybe is the right word mm-hmm. um streamlined yeah nice. well, so well cleaner mm-hmm. but yeah it's, it's a fun one um and uh, have you listened to much in flames before this no um i had known about them I had sort of known about how they kind of had like a fall and a, a fall from grace with a lot of fans um, with their, you know, their sort of stylistic change throughout the years. They're definitely not the same band as they once were these days. Right. They, but yeah, as a result of that, I just kind of was like, oh, well, probably steer clear. I'm sure. Cool. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I went back to this album, obviously, and was like, I don't know why I thought that I wouldn't go back to these albums because these are great. But yeah, that's the reputation <laughs> that they have. I'm sure. I'm sure people who are listening, uh, who are familiar with this band and their, I guess, checkered past, is is a very interesting thing because I came at this band kind of right in the middle years. Mm-hmm. Where they had gotten extremely big, yeah, um, and and more, I guess, friendly towards like the the heavier side of of you know melodic death metal, and but like accessible, very accessible, like you can almost play it on the radio. Not not I wasn't to the the radio days. <laughs> I was more towards the like, oh, this could potentially be it, but it's it's heavy at the same time. Yeah, um, towards their middle albums of. Uh, you know, where they had albums such as, um, I think it was like maybe the first one that really came out was Re- uh, Reroute to Remain, was mm-hmm. their first kind of transition into kind of the more mainstream. And then I did listen to Come Clarity quite a bit. 
and then a sense of purpose and then those are the kind of their middle albums and then past that point and not everyone has different takes on in flames like you were kind of alluding to because some people just completely stopped listening right. to them after yeah the albums maybe i just mentioned even um but i i have a soft spot for those albums um and then the stuff that came out afterwards was more or less them turning to radio rock yeah almost um which is very different from the albums we were just talking about um which would start with the one we're talking about right now and then it would go into you know horacle and um you know the colony and 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 all the way up to clay man which is probably i'd say clay man and and the gestures race are probably their biggest albums for the people who are like diehard in flames fans Mm -hmm. um so Clayman is one of the that was like the last this was like the first album that like put him on the map. And then for a lot of people, Clayman was their last album <laughs> uh that, that people cared about. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's a it's an interesting band and I, I think it is interesting to talk about with uh, and I hope people who are listening to this are are open to the entire side of In Flames, or at least open to like listen to a track or two. Yeah, give <laughs> them know? a chance. Yeah. But if you're into the more stuff that we've been talking about, this is the album, you yeah. know, The Jester's Race yeah. is the album to definitely listen to. Yeah, like after the gallery, like this is like the logical next step for um, listening to Mellow Death. Um, that definitely makes a lot of sense for me because, yeah, uh, I appreciate both of those albums, but I definitely see how, like, the sound like became more you know accessible as you said um and it just has that same kind of like elegance and like i don't know another word for for that but it just like feels like feels like more artful and more like you know sophisticated serious um like the kind of death metal you would listen to while walking through like some fancy courtyard, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I would say, yeah, that, that album has more elegance to it. The dark tranquility mm-hmm. definitely versus this one, which has that maiden feel. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, an interesting thing that, um, that I read recently that I think is, is kind of fun, but, Another band that <laughs> kind of had a similar in flames type of career is Trivium. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard them, um, mm-hmm. but they were very big at the very start of their career, a little heavier, and then they definitely went very in a lot of different directions. Their, yeah. um, I guess their technically their third album was like a Metallica album. And then like a ripoff to a lot of people. And then they kind of got their bearings back. And then they went a little bit more radio as they've gotten mm-hmm. past it. But uh, the reason I brought up Trivium in the first place is uh, that uh, Matt Heafy, who is the, um, you know, the lead guitarist and singer of Trivium, uh, this is one of his biggest influences. And yes, he, he, this is one of his favorite like bands, like albums to listen to is this album in particular is like, yeah listen to this is he's, what he's saying yeah he's actually i have a quote from him that says that the jester race is the one out al- the one metal album you should have heard by now mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah it's 
he has very very big affection for this one and i think that kind of goes into you know how we've talked about in our first episode in this mini series about how mellow death has kind of taken and turned into the american the new wave of american heavy metal yeah trivium was in there yeah for sure um yeah and uh i i love i love matt uh, i actually like him a lot yeah. um even if I don't listen to all his music, I, I like it. He's a really yeah. cool dude. I think I saw that he's producing the new Frozen Soul album. I'm in. Which I, yeah, I he think worked with Eson recently. I think that's super interesting. He's a, he's a big fan of Emperor as well. <laughs> so it's like, a, I was like, he's a cool dude. Yeah, he, <laughs> he just, seems like one. Yeah. And I heard that the, the newest Trivium album from last year, I believe, I heard not, it wasn't bad. Not bad. And Rashomon, yeah. the, his single album, mm-hmm. um, pretty good. I, I I'd say people should check it out. No. So anyway, side tangents. <laughs> right. Yeah. As we said, it has that dual guitar leads, like which very much lends itself to the, the Iron Maiden influence. Um, it has the acoustics. With um, the stuff that I've listened to, you know, this, this album in particular is something that I haven't heard as much of but like i think what's what's really interesting is you know kind of going back to um you know what we were talking about with you know the like uh, i guess artwork is a great example again I, I keep going to carcass um but thinking about kind of the accessibility mm-hmm. of something like this is like that that's like almost like the next stage is is something that exists in in this form like i guess carcass would be the uk form of this i think in flames is like we're talking about like a swedish that like melodic death metal band this is like the accessible melodic death metal band yeah for people to like to jump into and um yeah i don't know it's uh as as vanilla as we're kind of coming across Mm -hmm. it's not a vanilla album whatsoever it's yeah it, it's it's super fun it's um yeah for sure it's got a lot of really great moments in fact it's very catchy as well the instrumentals in this are like some of the the best like things that i've i've heard from like a a, a death metal band yeah like because i i just i mean like even like that that second track which you know is is the the title track uh, kind of combined with the gestures dance is what it's called but that that album, that song in particular is very famous, um, and also got, it's got a very interesting melody to it. To where like it, you can play it to anyone who doesn't even like metal and be like, like, oh, this is really nice. Yeah, it's just really good guitar work. Yeah, yeah, like that opening line on Moon Shield kind of has that too. It very, it's very like it gets stuck in your head for sure, and it has like sort of that like you know. Like that high fantasy kind of feel to it as well. Um, so yeah, if like your interests uh, align with that sort of thing, I feel like this is definitely something that you would latch on to. Yeah, it's got a lot of. Um, I, th- I think that catchiness um, and that 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 repetitive kind of getting your stuck in your head is very much written all over this this, mm-hmm. this album. It's got a lot of very memorable licks and riffs that, you know, um, come and ebb and flow in and out of the album. 
And I think that's what's so interesting about this particular one. And like, even as we're talking right now, like I have, <laughs> I have those moments in my head. I was like, it's like oh, I just can't get it out of my head. Like, yeah. Which, you know, is damn good songwriting. You yeah. ask me. They uh, know how to be memorable. Mm-hmm. So any other kind of final thoughts of, of the in flames? I don't believe so. Um, I definitely want to listen to more of this era of this band because, yeah, I feel like they have more uh, more to, to grow from from here. And it's like, you know, I don't see a reason why I wouldn't, especially because I really like what they did with this record. So, yeah, I would highly recommend if you if you like something like this, the next three albums uh, follow in similar suit, and uh, you know a lot of people give high praise for albums two through I guess six or two through five, um, and I think you would like those ones in particular. Yeah, knowing the type of stuff that you like. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Uh, I really like the song "The Moon Shield," "Artifacts of the Black Rain," and "Lord Hypnos." I think Lord Hypnos is super catchy as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, those are good songs. Um, I, I, Lord Hypnos remind. I remember when we were listening to him recently that uh, uh, we we're just like, like this sounds like Lord Hypnos, and then they were like, oh yeah, it is Lord Hypnos. So yeah, it's got a that's what that that's a sign of um, you know a good track that you know just carries through, and you know this is a. This is a good album and a, and a good band to, to to jump into if you're you know you know new newer to this kind of stuff or you know if you're listening to In Flames or have heard the band and maybe you're a little bit like what kind of what Joseph was initially it was like yeah ah, I don't really know this kind of got a little bit kind of wrote him off a little yeah <laughs> just judging from you know their more recent stuff mm-hmm. but you know. There's there's phases of this band that I think anyone can enjoy, de- depending on whatever phase you want to look into. Yeah. So. And that almost kind of goes into the downside of the different influences that go into making like a melodic death metal album. It's like you can kind of go too far into the like the rock influence and stuff like that that kind of just kind of I don't know deviates from what was appealing about your band initially yeah and i mean i i would probably think that uh, you know thinking about their middle albums in particular Mm -hmm. and thinking about kind of that new wave of metal that would come out in those years that has it's got to have some influence on that Mm -hmm. and uh kind of getting more into like maybe new metal territory mixed in with that new wave you kind of get those combinations and that mainstream stuff that success that in flames would get to a lot of people and like you know that's the reason why they did and they just kept going with that so it makes sense to to keep going down there like oh this is a successful formula yeah more people are listening to us so we're opening for these massive bands Mm -hmm. like obviously who wouldn't want to do that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
That's fair. So, yep. And um, last thing I wanted to hit on was that uh, for people that kind of missed this phase of this band, there is uh, an album from this year by this new project called The Halo Effect that features members of In Flames and of Dark Tranquility, uh, which uh, we've listened to before and thought it was really good. Yeah, I, I'm super excited about this band because um, it, like you know, it it definitely brings back that that extra interesting kind of combination of of what the stuff we've been talking about, like into a modern era. Yeah, and like kind of seeing it more in the more thinking about like the music that we're listening to from this era and modernizing it. Mm-hmm. And having the to- the combination of tranquility and in flames, uh, it's just really cool to see because it's it's these two legends yeah. coming together and putting out something that's you know refreshing, but also you know something that you can it's it, you can be melancholy about, yeah, or I guess melancholic, <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. So anyway, I, I feel like I'm getting lost in words. That's all right. I've been there. Yeah. Um, I think that about covers it for uh, for this one. Yeah. I hope uh, I hope everyone enjoyed our our conversations on these two classic albums, and uh, I'm excited about next week because these are the next two albums that we're going to talk about are yeah. ones that I know like the back of my hand. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be jumping right into the 2000s. The mid-2000s, I believe. Yeah. So hopefully you're all ready for that. And uh, we're excited to see those directions. And let us know about some more 90s melodic death metal albums. Yeah. We'd love to hear your your thoughts. On, yeah. On uh, an idea I've had would be like to go back to Mellow Death at some point with like, a, you know, Essentials Part 2 or like a Mellow Death Deep Cuts. If you have any suggestions for for some albums you'd like us to cover for that, maybe definitely uh, let us know. I think yeah. that would be appreciated. We'd be keen to it. So absolutely. Well, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Thank you all. Uh, give us a follow over at scouring pod on Instagram. Uh, not Mastodon yet, but maybe one day. Mm. And uh, that <laughs> other one that, Exist. The other yeah. one that we don't remember yet. We Follow don't. us there too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, have have a fun one, everyone. Enjoy. Right. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time for Amon Amarth, Twilight of the Thunder God, and the Black Dahlia Murder Nocturnal. Bye, bye, bye.